For those of you who are interested in starting to swim, bike, and run and get into the sport of triathlon, go to my website, check out the book, Triathlon for the Every Woman. It doesn't actually have to be just for women. It is geared toward women. But uh, the book is available for free, 100% second edition for download on your favorite e-reader. So go to swimbikemom.com forward slash free book. Today's guest is Kelly Roberts. She is the founder of She Can and She Did.com, formerly known as Run Selfie Repeat. You guys may know her from the podcast of the same name and her social media, and also the cover of Women's Running and several other publications. Kelly is just a bright light in the world of running and body image, and she's the founder of the hashtag Sports Bra Squad which we talk about in the episode. Um, She's also like 10 or 12 years younger than me, and she has got it figured out like miles and miles ahead of where I am or where I had been as far as body image and kind of putting my best foot forward and always trying to be positive about what my body can do versus what it looks like. I love this episode with Kelly, and I hope you all enjoy it as well. Welcome to the Same 24 Hours Podcast with Meredith Atwood. We all have the same 24 hours each day, and it's what we do with those hours that makes all the difference between our health, happiness, and success. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Same 24 Hours Podcast. I'm your host, Meredith Atwood. I have Kelly Roberts here. Hello, Kelly. Oh, hi. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't like my screaming voice? (laughs) No, I'm into it. I'm here for it. (laughs) Oh, I'm so glad you're here. So I had a friend of mine who recently said, why in the heck haven't you talked to Kelly Roberts? And I was like, I don't know. That's a really good question. And so here we are. So now we're talking. I'm so excited. This is my favorite thing. If I could just record these interviews and talk to other people <laughs> all day, every day, I would probably be the happiest person in the world. I do love talking to people. Do you otherwise just stay in your house with like the covers over your head? <laughs> exactly. It's like yeah. shades drawn. I go outside to run and then I come back and then just work all the time. Yes. And then my, my, I live with my best friend and she'll come home and I'm like, hey, how was your day? Talk. <laughs> And she's like, leave me alone. (laughs) Like people. I know. I mean, when I go out of the house and actually put on makeup to have lunch with someone, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is what it used to feel like to be alive. (laughs) (laughs) I don't, I mean, don't get me wrong. I definitely get lonely, but I would not trade being alone all day long, working for myself, then going to work and being miserable <laughs> for anything. Been there, done that. So I was really <laughs> shocked to to realize that you are not old and jaded like me. You were. I'm a baby. You young, really young. And you have figured out like a lot of stuff to be so young. I mean, about body image and just confidence. And I think that is so amazing. So let's rewind back to say 2013-ish and how you started kind of taking this journey into running and, and being the badass that you are. Yeah. I, it probably starts earlier than that. I mean, <laughs> you're like, I've been a badass since about 2011. No, that's not true. I've, I've only been a badass for two years. No, oh. I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's such a weird phrase. No, it's I've not. been a badass for two years. Well, that, yeah, that might be, but no, I, uh, I, my, my struggles with my weight and my, I, I don't want to say my weight in particular, cause I don't think that's really been the issue. The issue has more been how I see myself and how I feel about myself. Those started when I was really little, like elementary school. Mm-hmm. I was never overweight, but I was definitely bigger than all of my friends or my sister. And I, you know, just silly teasing when when kids would fight. Like I, I was I was not some meek and, you know, shy girl on the playground getting picked on. I held my own and got what was coming to me. But, you know, like when I got teased, I got called hippo or fat. And so even though I was never, my weight was never an issue, I started to feel like, oh, I'm different. Something's different about me. All my friends are these teeny, wafy, you know, slim girls. And then I'm a little bigger. 
I'm just built differently. And no one ever was like, that's okay. <laughs> you <laughs> right. know, you, you just have a different body image. Like I recently, uh, the Girl Scouts, so their, their psychologist that they have on board wrote something about this recently. And I was like, what an amazing resource of how parents can talk to children. If, you know, they're, if your kid is starting to notice that she's built differently than other girls, or maybe she is overweight. Like there's nothing wrong with saying like, yes, you're bigger. That's okay. Right. We still love <laughs> you and you can be in society with us. Yes. Like you still are beautiful. Like beauty right. and beauty and size are not like exclusive, Right. you know? And I, it was just such an interesting read. And that was like, I wish, I wish I would have had this when I was little. I think my entire life would have been different because when I was little, like I, I'm really competitive and I loved PE when I was, you know, first, second, third, fourth, fifth grade, running the mile and kicking all the boys' ass was my favorite activity. Wow. And then my body really changed the summer between elementary school and middle school. And I also went to a new school, so I didn't know anyone. So, like, all of a sudden in PE, like, I was last. Mm. And immediately I was ashamed. And I was like, athletics aren't for me. Like, this isn't my thing anymore. And I should never, ever, ever try to do this. So I, you know, we'd run a warm up lap, but I stopped running completely and I stopped doing anything because I just didn't like being the worst or being not the best, I guess, which is such a crazy thing for a kid to feel. Now, did someone but, like point that out to you or did you just like embody it? Did you feel it? I was just really self-aware. My mm -hmm. dad, uh, I just come from a really athletic family. My dad was a Pac-10 swimmer and almost went to the Olympics and and then was a golf pro and my sister played golf and gymnastics and Everyone did water polo and all these sports. Everyone was very athletic. And then I wasn't. So, you know, growing up, my dad was like a tiger dad. He would like wake us up from sleepovers <laughs> at five in the morning to go play golf. And, you know, like he would tell us that we were we were built differently and we were, would be the best in the world. But we had to work really hard. And I hated that. I hated everything <laughs> about that. I totally rebelled. And I'm like, I'm going to be in the theater. Right. And, you know, that was my that was my 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 space, my people. I loved that. So that was my thing. And uh, I just really struggled with athleticism. And from there, you know, I just I always associated being active with losing weight at, you know, middle school, high school, college. Whenever I I was physically active, it was always I would force myself to go to the gym and hated every moment of it because I thought I needed to lose 20 pounds or 30 pounds or 40 pounds or whatever. Right. And then it really wasn't until my brother died when I was uh, 19, I think. I was 19. He was 16. He died of alcohol poisoning and it was horrific. Oh, my the worst, The worst thing to ever happen to me. I mean, I, it still feels like it was yesterday and I still struggle with my grief. But after he passed... I gained over 75 pounds. Like survival really became the the name of the game for me. How do I how do I live with this loss and sitting at home and not going out and sitting with my friends and eating brownies on the weekends and you know drinking sugary drinks and just not taking care of myself anymore. You know, I wasn't leading a healthy lifestyle and it, that just caught up with me really quickly. And uh, that was kind of the start of it all, like learning how not to yo-yo diet. And with my mom's help, she helped me, you know, say like, she told me, she's like, I'm worried about you. I've already lost one kid. You know, oh, you're gosh. pushing people away. You're angry all the time. I can tell that you're like just imploding. What do we do? How, what, what do we do? How can I help you? And so she helped me. Not only, I mean, I not only got into therapy, which has been the greatest thing in the entire universe, which we can talk about that later, but uh, I took a I took a nutrition course in college, and uh, we had to track our food. And at the time, my mom put me in a like she helped me get into a program. She didn't put me into a program. This was all my choice, and I was just lucky enough to have the resources. And so we, we, I was like logging my foods for for this class, and my teacher pulled me aside, and she's like, "This is so dangerous. Like, I do not want you doing this to try to lose weight. You're gonna learn how to like." you're going to start associating meals with like these chocolate bars and these cheesy puffs and all this processed food that will help you lose weight. But when you're done, that's what you're used to eating. And like, you need to be eating whole foods and learning like this is like a healthy lifestyle is really difficult, but it's doable. And you seem motivated. If you promise me that, you know, like you, you're ready to get into therapy and do this. Like I will, I would love to make this your final project. Oh, wow. And I was, yeah, I was like, oh my God, I would love to. And she's like, but you have to promise me you're going to quit this program. 
And, and I was like, well, I'm already in therapy, like perfect. And so this teacher like really like took me under her wing. And in addition to learning all the amazing things we learned in class, like she totally taught me that weight loss is a long lifelong adventure <laughs> and not something <laughs> that's a fear. good phrase. <laughs> yeah. And she, she really did teach me like portion control what it means to adopt a healthy lifestyle and the months it takes to do it, how to how to learn to like new foods. Like I, I hated a lot of vegetables. Like I'm a texture eater. And for me, there was something about like cauliflower that just like I would gag every time I ate cauliflower. And that's not to say like I never ate vegetables. I definitely knew how to eat healthy. But she really taught me to love and embrace a, a more balanced diet and uh, it took years and years and years after I lost all the weight to get to where I am today. Like I struggled with, I still struggle with this. If I, you know, eat a lot of unhealthy food, just sitting there thinking like, I need to, I need to either throw this back up or, mm -hmm. you know, like do all this stuff. Like it's a, it is a lifelong battle, but running really, really has been the thing that changed everything for me. And so In when did you start running? <laughs> that was a good nutshell. Was, was good. <laughs> I, started, um, I started running in 2013. Like you said, it is kind of where it all started. That, that, the year, was it that year? I actually was just looking at this picture this morning, ironically enough. My best <laughs> friend, uh, when she was in her, her sophomore year or junior year of college, she, she just picked up and said, I'm going to run a marathon. <laughs> And she, we were never runners. Like we didn't know any runners. We didn't know anyone who had run a half marathon or a marathon growing up or, you know, in our young adult lives. And for her, for her to be like, I'm going to run a marathon and then to watch her join team in training and actually make it happen. And I went out and watched her and, you know, we were at the end and we all had our signs. And I think watching people of all shapes and sizes and ages and, and ethnicities and the, that look they get when they approach the finish line watching that planted the seed of, you know, like you can do this or something difficult and like hard work is makes everything worthwhile. I think that that got planted there. And a couple months later, it was Thanksgiving. I think she, she'd finished her race in the summer. So it was like four months later, I just graduated from college. I didn't really know what I was doing with my life. I felt super lost and super overwhelmed. My grief was killing me. And it was Thanksgiving and I don't think, I think I had, when I, when I'm grieving, I can't sleep. Like that's, yeah. I go through an episode. That's my thing. Like I'll go days without sleeping. Luckily I have medicine and a therapist, a really amazing therapist <laughs> now, but I hadn't slept in a couple of days. Like I really was losing it. And I, I just remember it was Thanksgiving day and my sister was in New York. I was home, you know, just really in a bad spot and I remember watching the sunrise and thinking like I need to move I need to do something I need to get out of this bed and stop like this loop that was playing in my head over and over and over again I need to do something to make that stop and at that point I was like going to the gym religiously like seven days a week constantly terrified that I was going to gain all the weight back and I, I was starting to gain a little bit of weight because I, I was working as a receptionist I, I felt nothing like I would go to work come home sit on the couch watch Real Housewives of or whatever, <laughs> scroll through social media, see all my friends going for their dreams, except for, and then I would just feel sorry for myself and snack. And I just felt crappy. So that day I just got up and the gym was closed, which was what I normally did when I was feeling like that. I would go to the gym and sit on a bike or something. And uh, I just decided I'm, maybe I'll try running. And of course, <laughs> made it down the block. Thought I was gonna die, which was, was like maybe I won't do this running. Yeah, thing. I mean that was the that was the hardest part. Was like by that time I'd been like hardcore working out for two years, and the fact that I couldn't make it down my block then was pretty aggravating and disappointing. And in the past, I think I would always give it a shot, maybe make it you know like a quarter of a mile and then walk, and then maybe make it like an eighth of a mile and walk. And then at some point, I would turn around and, and convince myself, you know, like running isn't for me. It'll never be for me. But that day I said, screw it. Like it's shittier back home <laughs> in bed. <laughs> right. You know, I'll at least walk. I think it took me like over an hour to do that three miles. Yeah. It was funny. My sister called me in the middle of it because she was three hours ahead and it was like nine o'clock there and six o'clock where I was or something. And she was like, what are you doing? And I'm like running. And she's like, you don't sound like you're out of breath. And I'm like, okay, I'm walking. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. Don't judge me, man. <laughs> 
But yeah, I mean, I I don't know why the next day I said like I'm going to try it again. And the next day I kept going and two months later ran a half marathon and four, four or five months after that ran my first marathon. And it's wow. really just I jumped very far into the deep end of the I am a, I am going to be a runner pool. <laughs> I love that. I love what you just said. I'm going to be a runner because everything that I everything that started with me had to do with the statement. I am going to become a triathlete. Yeah. And I think there's a different connotation and sort of decision made than I am going to do a half marathon or I'm going to do a marathon to say I'm going to become a runner. I'm going to become a triathlete. It's like a decision that sets your life into a different trajectory because you are going to become someone else. Yeah. Ex- I, yes. And some like the, I think the most shocking part for me was that I think I, I felt like I was running from something or trying to escape something. And the reality was running, I I was moving forward, but what it was really doing was just helping me embrace where I already was, mm-hmm. which like was the lifelong lesson that running continues to teach me is that you have to start where you're at and you have to be okay with what you've gone through and what's happened behind you. And you have to be excited about what's to come. And all of that takes work. It's not just like magically going to happen. You yeah, know? But that's the hard part though, right? Because no one really oh, yeah. wants to look at where they are. No, and it sucks. It sucks when, you know, like all I do is think about how how incredible I felt a year and a half ago when I was in the best shape of my life going into this race that I had worked so hard for and then now, you know, getting started. I it, it's it's this ongoing battle of like how did I get here? Instead of and the the beauty is you do get to a place if you work hard enough that you're like, "Yes, I get to get back there." The work is the exciting part. Like, yes, this sucks and it's hard, but boy, do I feel freaking incredible and limitless and powerful when I'm done. Well, how do you deal with that perfectionism? You know, I think we all type A's. I I assume you're a type A. I don't think I need to ask. Um, How do we? Actually not. You're not? (laughs) No. I used to be. I used to have really bad control issues. Okay. But now you don't? No, I I think maybe I need well, your therapist number. I was gonna say again, this <laughs> this is this is equal parts my therapist, and then just like my back, I got my undergraduate degree in theater, and a lot of the tools I learned in in college, like kind of just like went hand in hand with everything that I've learned. But there's something there's something for me. It's about like hold on tightly, let go lightly, and just embracing the now, <laughs> and trying not to get ahead of myself, and trying not to stay you know, dwelling on, you know, what's out of my control. And it's taken a really long time. And you're catching me in a very, very happy two weeks. <laughs> so <laughs> I'll you, you know, back in another two weeks. Then. <laughs> yeah, I, but it, it, it's active work. It really is active yeah. work of saying, you know, like what serves me it is looking back and dwelling on how I felt at a certain time serving me more than doing that and then feeling like shit right now because I'm not there. No, all I can do is continue to try to put my strongest foot forward. It's like, that's what I want to do. And if I'm not happy doing that, like something needs to change. So let's talk about the hot guys of the New York City half marathon. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking that up this morning. And when I, when I started scrolling through, I was like, oh, I totally remember seeing this. But that was kind of the thing that broke you, that you went viral. So what happened there? <laughs> what yeah. gave you that idea? I was just standing in the starting corral and I was still a very new runner. I think I'd only been running for like a year and uh, it was super cold that morning. And I knew my sister, my selfless, incredible sister was on a street corner, freezing her ass off, (laughs) holding a sign that she would see me for all of two minutes. And she, you know, stood out there for two hours and uh, I I just wanted to make her laugh. And so, and I was afraid I was super underprepared for this half marathon. I didn't think I'd be able to do it. I don't know. I don't know what was going through my head and why I thought it was a good idea, but you know, life was happening and I was overwhelmed and nervous and afraid of things that were happening. And I just felt like I needed to run. And, uh, so I saw this really hot guy because, you know, if there's one thing you can find at a race, it's attractive gentlemen (laughs) and women. There are attractive humans at races. Right. One good thing. If you don't want to run, do run for them. Yeah, why why not? And they're always in front of me, but whatever. <laughs> At least you get to and, see them go by. Yeah, and I just snapped that photo and 
posted it on my Instagram. Well, no, first I texted it to her and I'm like, well, at least you can enjoy, you know, the the sights while you wait for me. And she <laughs> laughed and I was like, I'm going to do this the whole time. <laughs> That'll be funny. And I really didn't think anyone would see it. I mean, I misspelled hot. <laughs> I wasn't like <laughs> sitting there being like, what can I do to go viral? Right. It really was just for me to try to get through the race and it distracted me and made me laugh the whole time. And it wasn't really a hot or not contest. You know, like we had people of all walks of life in there. It really was, you know, right. what, whatever. Like dad hot. And then, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was, yeah. it was just silly. It was very silly. And, uh, it happened and my sister encouraged me to make it a Buzzfeed article. So on my friend's, uh, community page, we made it a Buzzfeed article. And I think uh, a lot of people don't know that you can do that. So they saw that, you know, I was on Buzzfeed and were like, Whoa. And so it just, my friends shared it. And because my friends shared it, it, it went viral. That's awesome. It's really it was funny. Crazy. Thanks. It was, really I mean, I still think it's pretty funny too. And it is, well, what's funny is, you know, it's the combo of your comments and your face. Yeah. I'm always making double shit. I'm like, <laughs> I look ridiculous. Always. And then the guy, like the guy who has no idea what's going on. I mean, it's, 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 it's a perfect trifecta. <laughs> it's pretty funny. I met, there was a, one of the guys from the original one. He came up to me like two years later at the Brooklyn half marathon and he had this like Italian accent or something. I don't know where he, I don't remember where he's from, but he's like, Kelly, it is me. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and he's like, it is me, mile eight. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he's like, the hot guy, it is me. And he's like, wait, were Did you, you in the selfies? And he was like, yes, mile eight. <laughs> <laughs> and he oh told me God. where he was he's from this you know he's from somewhere in europe and uh or you know over there abroad over <laughs> there over there I, somewhere I, I somewhere hot no somewhere where all the guys are hot oh <laughs> yeah he, he he i asked him i'm like i have never really been able to ask anyone like were you offended like did did you find this creepy and he was like no i thought it was hilarious like in my hometown <laughs> i am famous and i'm like <laughs> Oh my god! And we snapped a photo, and he gave me a big hug, and then he went on oh, his way. But it was that, so that's sweet. Gold. Yeah, I mean, that my is sister gold. went on a date with one of the guys. It was really funny. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. So let's talk a little bit about Sports Bra Squad and yeah. how this became a thing, and how you ended up on the cover of Women's Running and your sports bra, and and what this all means to your campaign and basically why you know you're on a campaign to not to encourage women to not define their self-worth and their value by their waist size yeah the sports press class squaw the sports squaw. press squad started where are we we're in 2018 it started in 2016 i want to say like almost two years ago now i uh, i set this goal for myself a while ago that uh I was going to try to qualify for the Boston Marathon, which was absolutely ludicrous at the time that I sent it because I had like, like breaking four hours in a marathon was like a four year, probably not four years. That's a little bit of an exaggeration. That was a really like three year long goal for me. Like the second I ran my first marathon, I one told myself anytime I told myself that something was impossible or that I wasn't capable of doing it, like I was going to try. Mm -hmm. It was my way of checking that self doubt and predefined limit, which is a, like a paralyzing factor in my life for me. If I can't do something perfectly or really well, like we talked about, like yeah. I just kind of shy away or quit or I do just good enough or give myself an excuse and out. And uh, so, yeah, I told myself, I remember like driving home, my dad was like, are you going to try another one? And I'm like, yeah, next time I'm going to do it in under four hours, which was ambitious because I had just finished in like 442 or something. Mm -hmm. <laughs> But to me, I'm like, yeah, doable. It took me another like five tries or four tries to do it. But I had just squeaked by. I think I finished in like 359, like 58 or something. Mm -hmm. Super close. But I did You're it. like, glad I didn't stop to pee. I know. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, even that, like that whole race, like it was, you know, a mental like, go for it. You can do it. And then I'm like, no, I just want to have fun. And I don't really want to see if I'm capable of that. Like I'd rather see if it happens organically because <laughs> I don't want to, you know, let myself down. And then I remember like, again, like that best friend who, uh, I don't know what is going on outside my apartment, but it is like apocalypse out there. Traffic, New York city, baby. <laughs> uh, 
yeah, the middle of that race, my best friend who I who ran that marath- that original marathon and then my sister were both calling me and they're like, you're on pace to break four. Put your phone away and go for it. Like, believe in yourself. And I did. And it changed everything. And uh, that spring, I went and saw the Boston Marathon for the first time. And I don't know why, but that day, I, a couple of my friends were talking to me and saying, you know, like, you should go for this you should try to qualify for Boston. And I said, I would never be capable of taking myself like seriously enough to do that. And like, that's impossible. And I was like, Oh shit. <laughs> there it <laughs> is. I've done it. Yeah. It just like, it left this terrible taste in my mouth that I had said that about myself. And then I watched Beyonce's lemonade and was like, I have to do it. <laughs> and I took off and I started training to do this thing and it was big and it was scary and I was you know pushing myself every week to do these feats that felt insurmountable and I was terrified but about like two two months in I was you know so strong I had never been working that hard in my life and I still would would get dressed every day to go run and I would watch myself get dressed and I would look in the mirror and I would knock myself and Mm-hmm. feel sorry for myself for how I looked and how my body looked and I would feel ashamed that I didn't look like the women I ran with because I thought I I should look like them and my body should be I should be skinnier I shouldn't like have this shape and this weight and uh that day it was so hot it was so hot and I had a I don't even remember how long my run was but I was like I'm gonna die if I don't take my shirt off and like run in my sports bra. I will get heat stroke. It's so (laughs) hot. And it was so terrifying doing it. I took my music out. I was convinced that people would, you know, say things to me or make comments that I didn't deserve to be. So you took your headphones off so you could hear if they did? Oh, yeah. I was ready. (laughs) I spent the entire time on guard. Like, what was I going to say? Right. I don't even know. I should yeah I was I was terrified and afterwards yeah. and I luckily like during this whole BQ or bust is what I was calling it what I am calling it I'm still in the middle of it mm-hmm. uh I I was I I'm filming the journey obviously and I was watching the footage back and I'm I see myself talking to the camera about how afraid I am and I'm like you know what I'm willing to bet that I'm not alone and so I posted it and immediately I saw other women start talking about like I feel the same way I would never run in my sports bra and what started as more of like a we're going to die if we all keep trying to like wear these layers because we're ashamed of our bodies became more of a a bigger a bigger uh issue you know like there's a there, one of the reasons why so many of us feel this way is because we're not represented we don't see a diverse range of bodies ethnicities ages you know, in these campaigns and in these ads and in these different, you know, all across the athletic market, it's always the same body type, the same age. They're always looking flawless. You know, they're airbrushed. It's it's not like these women aren't beautiful. They are. But it's just the bar is too high. And it's ridiculous. Like, I don't know a lot of people, for the most part that I know, like, no one's running to lose weight. We're all running because it empowers us. It gives us a way to deal with our lives, to be alone, to be with people, a sense of community. All these, there's like a, I could name a thousand reasons why people run. Yeah. And for most of us, like healthy is a part of it, a healthy lifestyle, but it isn't because we feel the need to lose weight to fit the mold. It may start that way, but it always, at some point you say like, oh, no, 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 I am strong and I can get stronger. Right. (laughs) What a a beautiful gift. Let's keep doing this. (laughs) Maybe I am going to stop hating myself. Like running, I think, teaches a lot of people to stop hating themselves. Yes. So watching the sports bra squad and all these women who have had children or, you know, you know, had have scars or stretch marks or are skinny, are a little bit bigger. It really doesn't matter. Like being able to look up and see a woman who looks like you. It's it's liberating. It is amazing. Like we have this thing here in New York during the summer. It's called Summer Streets, where three Saturdays in the middle of the summer, they shut down like six miles of streets. And I've been doing Summer Streets since I moved here, running up and down. It's so much fun to you know be able to do your long run on these big stretches of, of mid, midtown roads. And 
in the beginning, you never saw anyone who was in super skinny running in their sports bra. And sl- like after launching the sports bra squad, every summer, more and more women you see running in their sports bras of all different sizes. And now when I do it, you know, like someone will yell at me across the street, like sports bra squad. <laughs> and it is the most incredible thing to see more women embracing their strength and saying, you know, I deserve to feel proud in my skin. And I mean, that doesn't mean you have to run in your sports bra if you don't want to. That doesn't mean you're not strong. It's just one way to empower more women. And that's funny because I had my first sports bra squad moment last summer. And same situation. It was out of necessity. I was just running and I was like, I'm going to die. It was so (laughs) hot. And I was actually at a really small um, like trail system. And there were, I mean, people were going by, but I, I it, you know, I was joking with you about pulling your headphones out, but I did the same thing. Yeah. And, um, or I turned my music off, kept my headphones in looking like I don't care, but really deep down terrified. And, yeah. um, as I was running by people, I, you know, I had my sunglasses on I was like giving them the side eye waiting for the Come at me. Yeah, waiting for them to make fun of me so I can get back and blog about how everyone's an asshole and I'm just out there running and nobody did. And these two really fit women in their sports bras ran by and I waited for them to like give me this, you know, oh, you're so gross look. No one cared. It was amazing. And then I posted about it and everyone, you know, same kind of thing. Everyone's like, oh my gosh, I could never do that. But then some people were like, ha- all they hashtagged was sports bra squad. <laughs> and I was like, what is this? And I went and saw, oh, of course, Kelly's have done this. That's amazing. Um, you know, it's, but it was very empowering. And I've noticed since I did it once, um, I probably am just not the type of person to get dressed and go out that way. But I will get in a run and pull my shirt off. Or at the gym, it was incredibly hot. And I twisted my shirt, you know, to where it was like a bikini top and just ran. And because whatever, I'm out there doing it. And, you know, but it's been a long journey for me, too. And and I think, you know, you're absolutely right that when we get out of our own head and just feel empowered and, and are appreciating our bodies for what it's doing in that moment, um, that's a really powerful thing. Yeah. And I mean, people have said things to me. It's not to say that people never say anything. You know, I've been called lots of names while I ran. And and I also, you know, like catcalling is another issue. And I mean, this is, this is, a, it's a, it, 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 there's a conversation. This is one conversation and a much bigger conversation, but something that, that people saying things to me taught me and reminded me is you cannot control what people say to you, but their words don't define your narrative. What's most important is what you say to yourself. You know, do you look in the mirror and say, this is as good as it's going to get? Or do you look in the mirror and say, like, when am I going to be beautiful? When am I going, when am I going to look the way I feel? When am I going to lose these love handles? Or when is the cellulite going to go away? Or God, I'm ugly. I'll, no one, how, how could anyone ever love me? Like, what are you saying to yourself? Mm-hmm. If that narrative is negative, anytime someone you know, validates that, like, that's how you're going to define yourself. And it's bullshit. We should be looking in the mirror and saying, like, I am beautiful. Right. I have such strong quads. And like, oh, look at how great I look today because I work so freaking hard. And I feel incredible. And I feel like all these things we should be telling ourselves in the narrative. But no, we have to be, you know, what it, we have to be we're gracious. <laughs> we don't get to celebrate ourselves and You know, we don't get to radiate strength and beauty. We have to just effortlessly be it. (laughs) Bullshit. It's total bullshit. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you hit the nail on the head. And I think that's why so many people get, you know, they get started and then they stop or they get stalled. It's because we have that narr that awful narrative running like a soundtrack on our head. And then when someone validates it, we're like, oh, well, there it is. It's truth. And you're absolutely yep. right. We have to change that internal dialogue. So when someone else says something, you're like, whatever, you're crazy. It's bullshit. I'm amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. We talk a lot about this in the new training plans. Uh, Emily, who's our Emily Saul, who's our sports psychologist, who's a part of it. She calls it's core beliefs. Yeah. Let's you talk know. about the training plan. So um, oh, I should explain those. Huh? Yeah. Let's talk about this. <laughs> like what? <laughs> what? What training plans? Training plans. <laughs> Segway, go. <laughs> so I, I've always, before I started this BQ journey, I always kind of like half-heartedly followed training plans. I just kind of used them more as, you know, like guidelines. 
And a lot of the times I did what I thought I was capable of instead of just saying like, I'm going to see what I can do, which was fine. I always had fun and it was, I was pushing myself and stepping just far enough outside of my comfort zone. But all the training plans that are out there and all these different training programs are so focused on the running and no one's really focusing on the mental element of it. And that's not the, that's not to say like, here's how you compete, but more when you run and when you run for a while, you learn all these incredible things about yourself and it really has the power to transform your life, your personal life, your professional life. It It's incredible what, you know, being in power, like, Getting active in ways that empower you can do for your everyday life. And uh, I wanted, I've been wanting to find a way to give this resource to more people and to frame it in a way that people don't have to run for three years to figure these things out, but that as they, you know, work towards maybe their first half marathon or their first marathon or become a runner, or maybe you're trying to break two and a half or break four and a full or break five and a half in a full, whatever your goal is. How do we how do we give you the tools and resources to change your core beliefs, the way you feel about yourself? If you if you, like one of my biggest inner dialogues is I'm a quitter and running has changed that about me. It really, really has. You know, I no longer shy away from ambitious things because I, I fear that failure and that disappointment in myself that uh, that I feel when I feel like something that I've always thought about myself is actualized that, you know, mm. like, oh, see, I am a quitter. Oh, see, I am a failure. And that disappointment, I used to think, like, you can prevent this feeling. And now I know, you know, like, no bullshit. The only way you'll fail is if you fail to try and give it your all. So finding ways to create a training program and marry that with the mental element. And uh, it's been a ton of work, but they're <laughs> incredible. Like, being able to give people ways to frame their core beliefs and show them how to build you know, like a bulletproof body image and body confidence and inner confidence, I think is going to be such a game changer for so many women and men. At first, I, I was only designing these for women because that's my audience. And I was like, to be honest, like men need this so much more. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm excited. I'm excited to give, you know, everyday runners trying to do these superhero feats, this resource that, yes, it's going to help you cross the finish line or get through a training cycle or do whatever it is you want to do, you know, as in the best shape of your life. It's going to help you get there and, and kick ass in your race or whatever your goal is. But it's also going to give you these, this, it's going to, you know, flex that, those muscles, those inner muscles that no one really talks about. I mean, therapy is such a, it sucks that it's, that it's a convenience, you know, it's, it's a privilege to be able to get into therapy. So many people can't afford it. I can barely afford it. So trying to figure out like, how do we, how do we give these gifts to more people who can't, who don't have access to them and do it in a way that isn't going to take eight hours <laughs> a day, <laughs> Some quick little like prompts and, you know, snippets. And it's fun to read, you know, it's super, it's in, it's written between me, my friend, Emily Saul, and then my friend, John Hunter camp, the three of us have created this thing. And so it's, you know, a lot of it's in my voice. So you have my coach, John Hunter Camp, who, you know, gives you running 101. And then I jump in with, <laughs> you know, humor. And I, I'm like, yes, this is terrifying. <laughs> no, you don't have time to do this. But here's why, you know, you can. And this is what's important to remember and all that stuff. Very cool. It's so exciting. they can find that on your website. Yeah, they'll be available to to purchase on shecanandshedid.com. Okay, cool. Let's go back a little bit to you mentioned that your kind of go-to is that you want to quit or that you're a quitter. I think yeah. that's really interesting. So um, I am that I'm kind of the opposite in the fact that I, I don't quit. I tend to not start. So if I start something, I will finish it. Um, but I have a tendency to not start if I don't think it's going to turn out the way I want it to. Do you, do you have any experience with that? Yeah, I think it's the same thing. It's just a different, it's painting it's with a different, a different color, you know? <laughs> what color is that? I think that's an evil it's, color. It's of, an evil, like, purple. <laughs> it's, but it's the same thing. We we set these impossible standards for ourselves, and then we convince ourselves that we'll never be capable of them. Mm -hmm. When in reality, like, what, I something that uh, that I learned doing this BQ or bus journey was, so re learning what success and failure actually are and defining them for myself 
And I had a really, really bad race my second attempt. I was hurt. I was in a I, I just I kind of lost sight of why I was doing it and I let the pressure of everything really like define my success. And I felt like I was letting everyone down and I felt like I was letting myself down and I felt really embarrassed, really mm-hmm. ashamed that, you know, even though I was in this amazing shape and it was inevitable that I was finally gonna do it, I just crashed and burned. And I was looking for ways to get out of it. And I just I remember I spent the entire rest of that day thinking like how the F am I going to explain this? I have to now go on women's running and write about this and tie it up with the beautiful bow and say, this is what I learned. And this is why I'm proud. <laughs> I failed. Uh, I hate those race reports. I know. And uh, what I learned was failing to get to that finish line. I mean, I was looking for curbs to fall over and to like literally break a bone so that I could say like, <laughs> I, I tripped. There was nothing I could do. I, honest to God, was looking for that. I made long distance calls looking for people to tell me to get out. I was panicking. I, I learned that failing to get to that finish line would have been the failure. Yeah. You know, it didn't matter if I took me three days and I found hotels along the way to chill at. <laughs> failing <laughs> to get to that finish line would have been the failure, not failing to be Q. You know, I, I think I'm a big, big, big fan of setting impossible goals goals that we think I not we I think I'll never be able of like to to accomplish. I think that's so exciting because for me that's how I shake myself out of my predefined limits because right. otherwise I'll just keep playing it safe. I'll keep, keep stepping just outside of my comfort zone and convince myself, you know, that that's good enough. That you know that that tiny adrenaline rush is is good. That's that means I'm challenging myself. And yeah, I'm challenging myself, but You'll never know what you're capable of unless you figure out where your line is, unless you crash and burn. Yeah. So were you telling myself, you know, like, that's not worth it because I'll never be able to do that. I just won't even try. Is ridiculous. Go for it. Dare to fail. Why not? Fail better. (laughs) (laughs) Fail righteously. Just go for it. I mean, I I think telling yourself something won't be worth it because you won't be able to have the picture perfect finish or have, you know, be able to knock your goal out in one shot. Like what a, what a safe way to live. Yeah. That's so true. So after you had that horrible race, I mean, did you, I mean, I want to talk about this, but very limited because I don't like to give negativity a lot of space, but you know, you've had a lot of experience with people hating on you and, you know, commenting and all sorts of mean stuff based off of, you know, your sports bra squad and also kind of when you have these perceived quote unquote failed races. So what, what, how do you get past it? How do you, I know you're working on always writing your own story and standing in your truth and what you believe, but you know, how difficult has this been and what has kind of been the progression for you? It'll always be difficult. I think it doesn't matter if it's your best friend or some complete random stranger. I think anytime someone says something cruel about you, it's going to hurt. Uh, the degree at which it hurts varies. If I'm if I'm really having a bad day and maybe I mean I my my grief is still such a huge part of my life. If I'm having a bad day because I'm just like missing my brother, and someone said something super insignificant, but, you know, someone knocks me, like, I could totally tumble into the rabbit hole. Like, something so stupid could mm-hmm. send me over the edge. Whereas other days when I'm feeling really strong, it just, I see it for what it is. I try really, really hard to remember that hurt people hurt people. And everyone has a story. And Nine times out of 10, these people who are saying mean things about me or disparaging things about me or defining me, they are the people who don't want to hear me. They don't know who I am or what I stand for. They don't read my blog or listen to my podcast or watch my vlog. They read other people's mean things about me and that's where they get their information, you know? So like, why, why would I let that someone who doesn't want to see me succeed, someone who doesn't like me, someone who's going out of their way to hurt me because that makes them feel more self-righteous or better about themselves. Why Why would I let that get to me? If anything, like it just makes me sad. 
it makes me really, really sad that there are so many hurt people out there trying to do those things to lift themselves up higher. And it's just not my problem. Like I, it's not my job to go and fix people. I have this incredible community of women mm-hmm. and men, ironically enough, who really, really stand for building each other up and, and, you know, having the hard conversations and asking themselves when they stumble and fall, like what happened and how can I, how can I learn from this and being really vulnerable about what's going on in their lives and where they're at. And it's really hard to stand in front of a group of strangers and say like, I've been really hard on myself recently and telling myself that I'm really fat, but I watch that all the time. And then everyone kind of is like, I'm doing it too. What can we do to stop this? And then be like, all right, let's, you know, every day we're going to wake up and and tell ourselves we look beautiful, period. And I'm like, fuck yeah. (laughs) I love that. I mean, those conversations are happening and it's like, who do I want to, who do I care to, to like spend my time invested in the people who are spending time saying really mean things about people and what they don't like about people or the people who are saying like, I want to be better and stronger and happier. You know, like who do you surround yourself with? That's on you. Yeah. I don't, I can't tell you not to come to my stuff. Unfortunately, I wish I could, I wish I could block everyone. (laughs) I wish, I wish I could. Like, it's just, it's such, it brings so much negativity, negativity. (laughs) It brings so much negativity into my life and it does hurt me. So it sucks that they do get to me, but you know, like that's, that's not my job to fix you. I wish I could pay for those people's therapy, but I can't, I can barely pay for mine. Yeah. I mean, that's so true. It's not even about you. It's just about their misery and hurt people, um, hurt people. Yeah, exactly. And I have to remember that too, that you've got to find your people and realize that, you know, the impact on what you say and what you do is so much greater when it's positive. And, um, so yeah, I think it's awesome what you're doing. So let's talk real quick. I have one more question for you because I know we're on a time frame. Um, so this podcast is called the same 24 hours yeah, and it means that we all have the same 24 hours in our day, but it's what we do with those 24 hours that leads to our greatest health, happiness, and success. So what is something that you do sort of on a daily basis that, um, make sure that you set yourself up for success day to day. I work really, really hard at having a really good attitude. I've been, I make a very conscious effort, especially recently to wake up. And if I'm in a bad mood to say like, what can I do today to have the best day? You know, how, what am I feeling? Like, how can I let that go? And I do a lot of writing Mm -hmm. and journaling. But for the most part, it's making a conscious effort to say like, I'm so excited to be alive. Who can I tell that I love today? Who can I like reach out to who I haven't reached out to in a while and say like, hey, thinking about you, like hope I'm just really proud that you're kicking so much ass. Doing those things has really been beneficial. Getting excited for runs, even when I am dreading it or terrified, saying like, I'm so excited to be out there right now (laughs) because I haven't. I haven't been running for like six months really and getting being able to get back at it and train again is like it is I could not be happier and I'm trying really I hope that this is like a constant change for me and I don't slide back into pessimism because pessimism is contagious. So were you struggling with pessimism recently? Like, is that why you stopped running or is it just, you mean I like got over hurt. the Okay. Like that London marathon, like I couldn't, I couldn't run. Like I, I wasn't, you know, nothing was broken, but it was the type of injury that it was, it hurt when I ran. Mm-hmm. And it, I just was so, I felt really angry at myself and for getting there and for what was happening to me. And I didn't understand how to fix it. And I was doing everything I could, I felt like. And I just, I felt, I felt really jaded and angry at running for breaking my heart and angry at myself for get letting it. You know, it's like, it's like that breakup when you have, a, you have that friend who just, you know, talks nothing but smack about their ex. And then they get to a place where they're like, okay. You know, but we also had some good times too. And like, I'm really grateful that they gave me that love and that I felt that love for it for the time it is. And yeah, it didn't go, it didn't end the way it should have, but like, that's okay. I'm, there's something better out there and I'm on to the next. Getting to that place was really hard to get to. And for a while, like I was pretty angry and upset and just brooding. So, <laughs> but I, it is, it, it, I realized it's a conscious effort. I was making a conscious effort to stay angry. Yeah, and I had to let that go, and I was ready, and I it, I had to be patient with it, and that was hard. 
patience is really hard. Yeah, it is. I mean, I started crossfitting a few months ago and taking a little bit of a break from like long distance triathlon just to do something I like because I'm a former weightlifter. And I mean, I was loving it, loving it, loving it. And I tore my, my meniscus in my knee a couple of weeks ago. Aww. And I'm like, okay. And the same thing. Like I tend, when I get injured, I just tend to like go into the dark hole, you know? And so I said, you know, I don't have time to let that happen. So I got out my journal and I wrote things I can do with a bum knee. <laughs> and I started, there you go. You know, making a list of things I can do. And surprisingly, you can do like over 200 things with a bum knee. And that includes working out and I can still go to CrossFit. I just can't do box jumps. And, you know, it's all about, you know, you're so right. There's so much that is just about framing our mind and putting ourselves in the right position. And a lot of it's a, a lot of foolery to ourselves. But if you believe it, you can achieve it, right? Yeah. It, yeah. I, I think a lot of people think positive people are born positive people and that's no. just not the case. They're working really hard to be positive. Yeah. Well, Kelly, thank you so much. You are absolutely positive and I'll post the link up to your blog and all your fun stuff and we'll look forward to the training plans and this following you. This was wonderful yes, highlight was of my day. Oh, good. <laughs> well, we'll talk soon. Yes. Hopefully we'll see each other. We can go for a run. I'm going to come up to you and go, my late, my late. <laughs> <laughs> You'll know it's me. <laughs> code word. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, thank you. We'll talk soon. We'll talk soon. Okay. Hi, everybody. Before you go, don't forget to start your year off right. Check out yearofnononsense.com. This is a new revolution that has started. And I am not joking when I say revolution because people are completely tired of the nonsense that is in their lives. And what I mean by that is... It can be anything that you know is standing in your way of being your best self, but there is a set of sort of pledges and commitments at yearofnononsense.com that many of you guys have already taken the pledge and just saying, hey, I'm, I'm starting this year off correctly the way that I need it, and it's going to be a year of no nonsense. So check out the website and take the pledge, and we'll see you online. Mm-hmm.